exhausted. Uh, unbelievable game of football. Um, I will try to evaluate this game calm emotionally and also logically because there's two sides to this. The emotion is taking over right now. Nothing better to see United win in the last minute. We'll get to the realities of that later, but um, a big win for United. A massive win for United. And as you say, a last-minute goal is is always the ultimate way to win in football in many ways because, naturally, if, if we weren't on the show, Phil, we'd probably be caught up in the emotion fully and you'd probably erase the performance uh, in many respects from your head and see the result and in the morning remember the last-minute goal. But being as we are in this show, we will analyse the game and the performance in its entirety. Um, delighted, as I say, with the three points. It was a vital three points. They simply had to be delivered. Couldn't have been any more dramatic. Um, I would have much preferred it to be a more routine win with a lot more cohesion, as we'll talk about. But a win yeah. is a win, and obviously we'll get to the realities of what we need to do going forward. Well, let me put it like this. If you're in Solskjaer's position and you want to win a game in a perfect way, you could you, you do that because that's a type of thing. If you need to win this game three four one and they win it comfortably in the first half and sort of have a lackadaisical second half, it gives you confidence. Don't get me wrong, but not the way something like this does. Something like that can spark a whole football club in the late night. They badly need it, Callum, um, uh, because let's look at the logical side of this because we shouldn't be blinded by what just happened. The emotion of what just happened, as brilliant as it was. Had United have lost this, this would have been their fourth Champions League defeat in a row. That's unacceptable at a football club like Manchester United. And Solskjaer was saying before the game, it's not a must-win game. Maybe not in the sense that to get you through the Champions League knockout stage, which is mandatory at Manchester United, but it's a must-win game when you've lost three of your last four. And this is the United team, to me, that's far too reactive, not proactive. When you go down... Then they, you get something. But why aren't they imposing themselves on games? Why aren't they coming out? It always seems to be that they have to fall behind or something catastrophic happens. They, they score a goal. They burst back into life for a bit. And um, to me, they were very lucky not to have that game well out of sight, not be in a situation where, and then you, you go to West Ham or Mark Noble's Miss Palty. You know, they, there's just been too many moments where you know, have been lucky to still be in games and then come back and win one? They certainly needed that tonight, Phil. And as you say, the fact it was so so dramatic could be a moment that sparks them into life. And it really has to, because for all the individual brilliance at the end from Ronaldo to get that victory and the emotion and the elation that everyone's feeling now, United needs to start following this up with a more consistent performance over the piece of 90 minutes. What frustrates me greatly, and it's something that, that we've talked about off-air as well, is the intensity that certain players press with and engage with compared to others. Yes. For instance, yep. Fernandez yep. in that first 20, yep. 30 minutes mm-hmm. is all-out, high-intensity. Yep. You're looking at some of the players around them thinking, why on earth are you not showing that same drive? Mm-hmm. Why are you not pressing as a team? Why is there not cohesive thought to what's going on here? Why are we relying on certain individuals? It needs to become more cohesive because at the end of the day you can have the biggest names in the world in your team look at the Galacticos of many years ago but if you don't play as a team then you're not going to be as successful as you should be given the quality you've got at your disposal so that's the big thing that needs to be addressed as a matter of urgency well here's the thing for me Callum you're absolutely right in that sense and that's what bothered me because this, this performance wasn't an accident and when you've lost three of your last four it you demand a response of Manchester United players to come out with intensity in you never have enough 
I, I certainly understand the criticism where Gary Neville uh, and other people have pointed out, I know other fans have pointed this out on Twitter, that you needed to rely on moments of individual magic. You could see the set-piece coach um, starting to have some impact on United's play. There was a little bit of variety with United's set-pieces, which was good to see. But they, to get back in the game, they've had to rely on an absolute worldly from Alex Tellers from a set-piece. Right? Now, the lack of intensity off the ball, and I'm, gonna, I'm also going to say on the ball, was disgraceful for me. And it was so evident because what you saw the last 20 minutes of that game was United finally pressing as a team. That's what won them the game. Now, if you go back the, la- the, the other 70 minutes, Bruno Fernandes is running all over the place, chasing this guy, chasing that guy. And you've got three forwards that are just sort of walking about slowly. Oh, I should maybe should run in. You've got a midfield. And there was a couple of times where he threw his arms in the air. Even Ronaldo at one point threw. Where's the rest of my team? And then the other part that annoyed me, Callum, was the lack of movement when United had the ball. There was a moment there, second half starts, Rafael Ferran has the ball. And he looks up, looks up, looks left, looks right, looks left, looks right, looks up. No movement. How can you play out from the back when you don't have your midfielders and your forwards moving to give you passing angles? And the greatest coaches in the world all are synonymous with a certain style of play. Guardiola, we know, is tiki-taka, right? We know the great coaches in the world, Antonio Conte, you know, all are identifiable by the way they play, you know, the ollie ball or, or sorry, sorry ball and all this, right? But what's Solskjaer's identity? And this is where he deserves criticism, Cal, because that United team again have been bailed out by a couple of things. David De Gea, which has been too, too, too often this season, individual moments, and let down by the things that identify, that I think are the coaches, Solskjaer's take responsibility for us, take responsibility for United's pattern of play, of which is, you know, when he first came, it was counter-attack. Then it was supposed to have changed. I don't, you know, yeah, you see moments, you see moments at West Ham, you see moments at Newcastle, we need to play well, but you have to be more than a patchy team that has moments. They are not imposing themselves on games in dominating, then dictating, and that that's a big concern. It is a big concern in, in terms of moments of individual brilliance. It reminds me of um, Sir Alex's last season when you had Rooney and Van Persie um, connecting up with many moments of assists and goals between them. And and at the end of the day, back then, there wasn't the same depth of quality in the league as there is now, in my opinion. Um, you can say the United team that Ferguson won his last league title with. And, and I suppose Europe's maybe more of a level playing field that might sound daft to say now. Um, because there is no obvious team, I would say, that's going to go on and dominate, as we've discussed. But I, I still don't think you're going to get away with um, winning the big competitions by relying on <coughs> random moments of individual brilliance, because Fernandez is a wonderful player, Ronaldo, Sancho, there's so much talent there. But as you say, when you look at other sides uh, across Europe with the elite coaches, there is a sustained way of playing that if, for instance, one of those elite players was missing... The game plan wouldn't change dramatically. The team would the team would adapt, and it might be of a lesser quality, but they would still aim to create chances the same way, etc. Whereas with United, I've always felt that you take one of those stars out of the team, a Fernandez, for instance, and United's play would change dramatically because it's tailored, in my opinion, it looks as if it's tailored on individuals themselves rather than what they can do as a team. And as I say. Yes, you've got players of high standard that will create moments of magic out of nothing. But if you're solely relying on that in the final third, which at times it appears United are, 
and it's a risky game because if one of those players has an off day and they're one of the two players you're really relying on for the goals or the assists, then you could hit a sticky patch and it can be patches, you've said. So there needs to be a more collective effort because, as you say, Phil, tonight, you're looking at Varane, as you say, when he's on the ball, he's looking for options. You're looking for your fullback to, to give you an outlet, at least, or the person mm-hmm. that's playing up from your fullback. And at times, it just wasn't there. And then you get into that annoying situation, which we all complain at. Even even fans of maybe Pep Guardiola at times have complained with these teams where you end up passing it around the back four and going nowhere. And a team right. like Villarreal will just sit off you, wait until you make your move, and then they will press you with intent. And that's something that United need to become aware of because if... If the, if the concern is that United can't play well against teams that play a low block, then don't allow teams to create the low block by passing right. it around your back four time and time and time again. Well, in, and also when teams play low blocks, they give you a lot of possession. And so United, that's where movement is really important. That's where you can't be predictable. That's where you can't be relying on set pieces. That's where it's really, really important you're cohesive as the team. Because lots of good teams play against low blocks. And the, and the way around low blocks is good movement. So, you know, the other the other thing, of course, um, is the performance of Dojo Dallow tonight. Mate, it was absolutely appalling. I mean, one of the worst performances I've seen in a Manchester United shirt. I, I can't think of a single thing he did well. He was consistently beaten, beaten far too easily, dreadful in possession. He was caught narrow a couple of times with Dan Juma, who Dan Juma, you know, he's signed from Bournemouth, a good player that he is, <clears throat> but not exactly a Galactico, not exactly a Kylian Mbappe, and he's just getting roasted. And you're going, that's a concern that Wambasaka, who's not a great right back himself, that's his alternative. You know, to me, I'm looking at Dallo going, Yusuke says he trusts him. And I trust him with what? Because I, I, I mean, there's a Diogo Dallo at every football club in the Premier League, right? There's a, there's one. There, that's the type of player you don't miss. I mean, I would almost go to say Damian was better than, than Dallo. And I liked Dallo when he first came, I really did. But that performance tonight was absolutely abysmal. I mean, essentially, United, I think actually United would have been better playing with him because at least you don't rely on him. Well, I said on the show last week, Phil, that Juan Bissaka, for me, um, is, a, is a decent enough defender. But as I say, he just completely stunts United when they go forward. Teams teams caught it on to it, as we've talked about in the show even last season. Let the ball go out right. Let him have touches on the ball because he's not really going to be going anywhere fast. He always looks like he's caught between five options in his head. And by the time he's come up with which one he's going to go with, he, he, he tends to give the ball away or slip over it. And if Dallow is the alternative, then you can understand why Juan Bissaka is the name in the team sheet for, for some of his faults that is pretty much guaranteed. If he's fit, he's going to be playing. And tonight, you can see why. That, for me, is a real frustration in the sense that you need competition for places. You need viable alternatives. And tonight has shown United do not currently have a, a, a viable alternative at right back because that was dreadful from Dallow tonight, as you say, against Dan Schumer. We've got the, the issues with Juan Bissaka, as we've talked about, and I'm scratching my head. Is there, is there another obvious name you think could play right back? You know, some people might mention Lindelof. Mm. I again, I don't think he gives you the qualities going forward that a natural right back would. So it's, it's a troublesome position for United. Obviously, Juan Bissaka is going to be suspended for the next European game as well, as his ban get extended to two games. So uh, it's a real worry, and 
and I, and I don't know how they solve it um, without recruiting someone, which should happen. I don't think it will happen in January, but it certainly has to be a priority going forward because United won't dominate the Premier League and European football with Juan Bissaka or Dallow at right back. They just simply won't. Well, one of the things that I didn't understand, Callum, right, is what Solskjaer saying before this game is that a must-win game. Okay, let's say you don't win it. Let's say United lose that game. That would mean they still have to go to Villarreal. They still have to go to Atlanta. At Atlanta. They have to be perfect in their next four games. I don't trust United to be perfect, do you? So, Absolutely not. Uh, so, so they've still got to go to Atlanta away with no one. But I think the next game is away to Atlanta, isn't it? Or is it home? Yes. It's away? Is it away? Is it away or is it home? It's away. Okay. So it's a very, very difficult game. Um, the plus sides tonight are, I, I think that goal will really help Tellez. Um, and uh, I think he can, can also play right back, um, so it's possible they'll switch him over once Shaw comes back. Uh, but I think Shaw is still a, a few weeks away, from what I understand. I might be wrong on that, but uh, when I understand it, it's a couple of weeks. Um, <clears throat> you know, there, there, there's a couple of things that also need to be discussed here. Um, when you looked at West Ham last week, one of the things that was frustrating is you know that we're playing down the left-hand side without a left footer, right? So you had Dallow on the left and they had Pogba on the left. And their natural uh, proclivity is to come inside on the right foot. That shouldn't be happening at a football club like Manchester United. Now, they play Pogba on the left to shoehorn him in their midfield because, as you saw tonight, and Darren Fletcher said this about Pogba when he was in the youth team, that it was obvious that Paul Pogba was an attacking midfielder that needs to play off the front, but so does Bruno Fernandes. And so he gets thrown on the left to get him into that midfield because when you play him in the centre, he doesn't track runners, he doesn't sense danger, he doesn't press, he's brilliant on the ball, no question, right? But you have a serious... This is why he plays McCombany and Fred in the middle because... There's a big gap in behind Fernandez. You can't trust Pogba to play in there. I remember Mourinho played him in that defensive midfield position against Spurs away, and I think nearly conceded in the first minute uh, because he didn't track Dali Ali, I believe. Um, and he's not a defensive midfielder in his in his in his defence. One of the questions that was asked when Bruno Fernandez was saying is, "Can him and Pogba play in midfield?" Has that question ever really been answered? I don't think it's ever really been answered in a, in a convincing. Manner, um, it's, it's certainly going to be a dilemma going forward, and it's one of those age old things that a, a pundit might say is, is a great dilemma to have, but ultimately, I don't quite think it is because you want to be able to have a strongest 11, a consistent strongest 11 that you can play with and create momentum. I think when you consider, in my opinion, anyway, when you think of great title winning sides, United and other teams. You've normally got a consistent 11 that you know are going to start most games. And I think that's what helps breed confidence. It helps breed that momentum, that consistency that you need to win the big trophies. And at the moment, as you say, Phil, in certain games you'll play on the left against a so-called lesser opponent, right? They might shoehorn them back into the centre because they think they get away with it. But really thinking in the medium term, United need to be able to have an 11, in my opinion, that you think, this is the, if we've got everyone fit, this is the optimum way we want to play and this is the way we want to go. Rashford, when he comes back, I think poses an interesting dilemma because 
You're going to have Ronaldo starting up top. You're going to have Greenwood, who's in decent, who's been in decent form at times this season, desperate for a start. You've got Sancho there. You've got Rashford, who naturally but would play off the left, and then you've got Pogba, as, as you've just said, who's been playing off the left. So something is going to have to give over these next few months, and I don't quite know how he's going to how he's going to do it. You've talked about Fred McTominay. If you had an elite central midf- uh, defensive midfielder who, like a Canty, who obviously United aren't going to get, if you had someone like him, then as you see with France, maybe you could trust Pogba to play alongside him. But United don't have that player, and because they don't have that player, that question is going to be raised time and time again until they get that player or decide to make a bold decision and let Pogba move on and and get someone who can fit the system that they want to play long term. Think back to when Ollie first came to the football club. What was one of the things he said? He says that uh, he wanted United to be one of the fittest teams in the league. United look like one of the fittest teams in the league to you? They, they don't, Phil. Um, I know, obviously, a late goal tonight, and he might come out after the game. I've not heard what he said yet, of course, and he might say, look, we always play to the end. We've got a 36-year-old mm. going to the very last minute. But they do look laboured in games, um, and, and they don't. You see certain sides. Um, you think of um, you think of the sort of so-called pressing sides. You think of Liverpool under the best at Klopp. You think of some of the Southampton teams in recent years, obviously at a lesser scale, who press intently for for the full game. United don't have that in them. United, for me, always tend to have a lull in them yeah. in games. And again, that could be a confidence issue. But you mentioned at the start. They start well for 15 minutes and then it tails off for 10 minutes or they have to go behind to get that intensity back in their game. There's no real consistent wave of it. It comes in patches. And is that a fitness issue? You, you would have to obviously question that. It could be confidence, but I think you're right in, in, in questioning the fitness because at the end of the day, when you state you want to have the fittest team in the league, you expect to see that as soon as you watch United and you certainly don't turn on a TV or go to a stadium and think, wow, I can see that straight away. To me, when I see a team that's hurting, that's coming out to prove a point, you see that intensity right away. You see the, because you're, you're, you're looking at what just happened in the first half, and then I'm saying, what is Solskjaer going to say at halftime that he wouldn't have said before the game, right? Because he ended up just putting a dreadful first half performance. They're in exactly the same position they were in before the first whistle started, where they needed to go out and put in a performance of intensity and a performance that showed cohesion, that showed that there's patterns of play. That you know, if you're if you're an opposing coach and you look at United and you say, how do we pick a team to beat Manchester United? It's very hard to do because they don't have an obvious style of play where you have an antidote to it. So you're looking at going. Well, they're relying on individual burdens to get them through games, to win them games, right? And that's not necessarily as terrible as people make it out to be. Look, these are players Solskjaer signed. It's okay. They're, they're top-class players, and if they if they give you moments of magic to win you games, that's okay. But it can't be like that every week because you're not going to be able to do that every week. That has to be 1 in 10. It's okay to play bad and win, but you're not going to keep getting away with that you're not going to keep getting away with conceding goals and coming from behind and winning and again you know David De Gea is playing like the David De Gea who was the best goalkeeper in the world right I'm sure if you're if you're Dean Henderson you never had two goalkeepers on the bench tonight by the way I don't understand that uh if you're Dean Henderson uh he must be thinking similar to Van der Beek now when it comes to Van der Beek when is he ever the answer because Solskjaer has been posed a thousand questions and Van der Beek is never the answer. Now, 
he played against Newcastle, but why didn't he bring him on? When United scored that third goal when they went 3-1 up, not a 2-1, which tells you he doesn't trust him, right? Plays well against West Ham, right, in the League Cup, doesn't play in the, in the league, doesn't come on tonight, right? You're saying to yourself, look, when do you get to play? You get to play in games that Sulker feels safe in, is not afraid to lose. Danny van de Beek, this is why I see it's a problem. United badly need a defensive midfielder. And we've seen it too many times at Old Trafford where players get to stay at the football club way too long because they have no resale value. And United say to the manager, you need to sell to buy. Well, I might as well just keep them. And I think had Everton have offered United Van de Beek, uh, come, to, come to United before the deadline, offered them a good fee, maybe 40 million, give them money back on them. Uh, and United, as I said to Solskjaer, Okay, we're all selling Dan James, and we're also selling Van der Beek. We'll give you the Van der Beek money to get a, a defensive midfielder, and I think they'd have done it. Because there's no reason why you wouldn't do it. What's the point of having a guy there that doesn't play, who's worth forty million when you need a player that does play, right? And you can't because of budgetary reasons. There's no point in keeping that fat. You need to cut it. So for me, Van der Beek must leave in January. I agree with that. I think that I'd mentioned in, in previous weeks that. United maybe should consider loaning him out in the Premier League to bring him back. But at the end of the day, you've summed it up, Phil. If he's not the answer to the question now, is six months good form at Everton gonna or West Ham or whoever it may be gonna convince Oscar that next season um he's gonna build a team around him or he's gonna make sure he's a mainstay in the team. I really don't think so. We've seen that with Lingard, who I thought was very good for the goal tonight and was very positive off the bench, which was great to see given the last performance uh, from him in the Champions League. So I think I think it is one of these situations where United should act ruthlessly and sell them. Obviously, there's a major tournament coming up next year. Obviously, not in the summer. It's later on in the year, mm. as we know, with Qatar. Um, so he needs a move. And if he can move in January, it would be ideal for him because he might have a settling in period. And then he's got a sustained period to hopefully, for himself, play first-team football wherever he goes and break into the, the squad for the World Cup. So I think it's, it's definitely the time that you should look to cash in on him. I hope United do. But at the same time, you, you mentioned using the, the Van de Beek money to go out and get a holding midfielder. Do you trust United to go out and get a holding midfielder of sufficient quality in January? Would you sell him anyway without that holding midfielder coming in? Or would you keep him for some level of depth if there, there was to be an injury crisis? Yeah, it, it's, a, it's an interesting question. I was watching uh, that PSG Man City game last night and all I could think was, I'd love to see Sander Herrera in this United team. Um, actually think Ander Herrera in this United team would be a really, really good player and um, is someone that for me would be better than Fred. His lovely snidiness to Ander Herrera. And, um, I would have loved to have seen him still in this in this United team. Uh, Jaden Sancho, another disappointing performance that should have scored. Uh, now, I look at Jack Grealish and Jack Grealish and Sancho for me are very similar in the sense that neither of them have, have really settled at the particular clubs to where they're an influential difference in the team. Um, what's your take on Jaden Sancho? I thought tonight he was slightly livelier than he has been in these other performances. Also, yeah, the, end prod, the, the, other, uh, the end product obviously isn't there um, at the moment. He should have scored, as you've said. Um, it's... It's going to get to the point in the next few weeks, if this continues, that it is going to become a worry. Because as I've said, when Rashford comes back, again, Sancho's may be fortunate that you would assume Rashford only times to get up to speed. 
But if Rashford came back and on his first game makes an immediate impact from that left-hand side or the right-hand side, it gives Solskjaer a massive issue in the sense that if you're starting Rashford and Greenwood and they're the on-form players, it, I'm not saying it's going to become another Van de Beek because I think he will be the answer to more questions than Van de Beek is, but it could become a situation where he, he won't be given a start for numerous weeks in the trot and I don't think that's going to do him the world good. I think he needs regular game time, but at the same time, at a club like Manchester United, as, we, as you've said with Van de Beek, we've both said, you need to earn that game time. We talked about Marseille in recent weeks. People will say, oh, he needs rhythm, he needs to run, but you need to earn that run. And if he doesn't earn the run, then you're hoping he can make an impact off the bench. He is the sort of player, I think, that could still make an impact, but is it going to be enough to really um, propel him into being an automatic starter, which so many people thought he would be? I don't quite know. I'm not panicking yet, but I think we need to see a big performance over the next month. And if we don't see a real performance that makes you go, that's the player we've signed, then with any transfer, you, you do start to get worried because at the, at the end of the day, footballers are human beings the same as us. When your confidence is low and you feel mm-hmm. like you're in a bit of a rut, it can be hard to snap out of. And sometimes you get to the horrible situation where you you end up trying too hard and trying to alter your game in a way um, to, to fit into what you think you need to do to get a game and then it goes even worse. So I just hope there's a big performance for him coming up and I look at the fixtures Phil the next seven games Everton at home Leicester away Atalanta at home Liverpool at mm-hmm. home Tottenham away Atalanta away Man City at home yep. these are seven fixtures that a player like Sancho has been brought in to make the difference in if he has a ponderous couple, a ponderous six weeks then United and him are probably going to be in big trouble because tonight as, as we've said with Ronaldo goal and the Fernandez movement Lingard coming off the bench and doing well to, to assist that goal in my opinion, that's not going to be enough to get you a majority of points in these games against that kind of opposition. So guys like Sancho and others need to step up to the plate and show why they were brought to the football club. Yeah, look, <clears throat> I said that when Ronaldo was signed, one of the positives for the likes of Sancho was it will take a lot of the pressure off him and a lot of scrutiny because if Ronaldo hadn't been signed, I would really fear for Jadon Sancho and the pressure and the scrutiny and the criticism that would be coming his way right now. I know I just made a comparison to Jack Grealish, but Jack Grealish will be getting a lot more time for a couple of reasons. One is not Manchester United. And two, City will win most of their games where that scrutiny is not going to be on him. Um, you know, the other reason why it's really, really important, I mean, Jadon Sancho is still a very young player, but you look, if you look at a front three of Sancho, Greenwood and Ronaldo, it's not a perfect front three. Sancho's not playing particularly well. And as good as Mason Greenwood as a finisher that he is, his decision-making still isn't there. Now, when you go back to the game at the weekend against West Ham that they lost, a big reason why they lost that game was Mason Greenwood's decision-making in the final third. Because there was too many times when he shot, when he had a player open, when all he had to do was roll the ball down. There was Bruno Fernandes at one point. He was straight through on goal. All he had to do was slip the ball to his, to his right. And Sancho's, and Bruno Fernandes rolled it. And then at Ronaldo a couple of times. Cavani. I, I remember Cavani getting frustrated with him last season too. And that's something that is very common in young players. Marcus Rashford probably still has that problem to a degree. Um, so it's really, really important that um, Sancho finds that form. Because United can't be carrying two out of three players. Um, Ronaldo, look at the goals he scored, Tom. They're all key goals, right? He doesn't score the fourth in a, in a 5-0 win. He's scoring goals that are making fundamental differences. Big goal tonight, right? 
it's goal away young boys that should have been crucial. Right? You look at school against Newcastle, school against West Ham. Uh, you know, it, it's just remarkable what a player he is. And uh, there's there's still a small part of me that's still amazed he's a United player. <laughs> I, I agree with you. And, and one of the points I want to make on Ronaldo is the big goals and, and, and big games is, as he's always been synonymous for. But I just love since he's come to United and. There'll be people listening, maybe, um, that might think it's superficial. I don't think it is. He seems to really be galvanising the team. You've seen him at full time tonight, going and going to the hair, going to other players, getting all the, the group together. Obviously, he didn't do an initiation song because he said they'd done that. The first time he signed, he, he gave a speech talking about standards and what he wants to achieve mm-hmm. for the club and what he wants to get out of them. He's, going to be, he's an invaluable asset on the park for United, undoubtedly, with the goals. But off the park, you, you're seeing the fact that... Uh, he, he, he's, he's the sort of guy who is going to grab players by the scruff of the neck as, as we would have said in, in, in recent times with, with the likes of Ferguson as manager he's that sort of figure that if he if he grabs you and tells you he needs more from you, he, you you will give him that and I know that might sound peculiar because he's a player and he's not a manager but he is just such an icon of football he's someone that can walk the walk and you just even just, I don't know it's been said many times just look at the, the shape that the guy is in he is a consummate professional, and if you want to learn uh, what it takes to become one of the very best players in world football, you only have to watch this guy. These players at United are getting the chance to train with him. They're getting the chance to speak to him on a daily basis. It can only be a positive. Crucially, as we've said, we can't just rely on his individual brilliance because at the end of the day, for as good as Ronaldo is, he, he, he can't win everything on his own. Same with Messi, he can't win everything on his own. As you saw at Barcelona in recent years when they started to, to go backwards for as great as he was, he couldn't do it on his own. So United need to support him because he's certainly given United so much back in terms of goals. And as I say, pulling the group together because I loved seeing that from him at full time tonight because the lazy narrative in the media fill from certain aspects was uh, Ronaldo's going to ruin uh, United when he comes in and Juventus are going to succeed massively without him and mm. they're going to go to a new level because he holds them back. It's just it's just that narrative of comparing Ronaldo and Messi uh, in a toxic manner frustrates me. Enjoy both players. See them for what they are mm. for the clubs that they're at. And for me, Ronaldo's shown so far great professional on the park and he's shown leadership qualities that are invaluable to a team like United who in many recent years on this show We've bemoaned the fact that there aren't natural leaders and natural winners. Varane's come in this summer, Ronaldo's come in this summer. You can't ask for much more in terms of leadership and being there and doing it in the game. So he's just a, he's an absolute phenomenon. He's an absolute phenomenon. Well, I said, and there's pros and cons to everything, right? So there's the polarity of life. So let's look at the Ronaldo pros and cons, right? It's hard to believe there's cons, but here's the, here's the, here's the downside with Ronaldo. You can become overly reliant on him just through muscle memory with constantly bailing you out and then everything becomes the focal point of everything. It's get the ball to Ronaldo, get the ball to Ronaldo, get the ball to Ronaldo. Then when Ronaldo's not there, what do you do? Who steps up? Who's the natural guy that says, I'm also as good as Cristiano Ronaldo. I am as, fu- as fundamental to this team. Then there becomes the other part, Callum. How influential is Ronaldo in that dressing room? Ronaldo will have all, if you looked at when he signed, United players were acting like fans. And that was very apparent to me. And I remember thinking, these players worship Ronaldo more than Solskjaer. And you have to be a really big, dominant personality to manage Ronaldo. Last season, he was managed by an ex-Juventus player who ended up getting sacked, Piero. And I look at this 
and I'm going to myself, the problem with this is if United start losing, Ronaldo will become almost toxic to Solskjaer. And Ronaldo is someone that commercially is worth a lot more to United than Solskjaer is. And if it comes down to me versus him, Solskjaer could have sent his own death warrant by bringing Ronaldo in because Cristiano Ronaldo is not going to tolerate a passive Manchester United. He is going to demand success, demand that of people. And if he doesn't get it, you'll start seeing things in the media. You'll start seeing criticism. You'll start seeing leaks, guaranteed, right? So this is the problem. When you hire a manager like Solskjaer, it goes one of two ways. Usually, it goes wrong. Guardiola is one of the exceptions, right? But when you hire a manager like this, who's not usually they get they work before they get to a top club, and there's a good reason for that. When things are not going well, you need something that gives you confidence that things are going to be okay, that this is not a permanent state. And when you don't have a track record of success, you know, I know people talk about Guardiola and Klopp when they lose games, but the difference between Guardiola and Klopp is they've won major trophies. So, yes, you can lose a game, but it's often how you lose a game that matters. Like tonight, had United have lost that game, it would have been more about how they lost it than, than losing it. You know, Real Madrid lost the FC Sheriff. Okay, that can happen, but it's how you lose it. It's what did you do to lose that game? Solskjaer, to me, the concern for me is... The track record when things are not going well isn't enough to give you confidence that he's going to get it right, that he's going to win you trophies, that, you know, this is a blip, right? And then there's the, set. There's the other aspect of how quickly will Ronaldo turn that milk sour if they aren't winning trophies? Ask Pirlo. Uh, a very fair point. And one of the things that I couldn't help but think tonight when, when Villarreal could have been freeing up at halftime was... If United lose this tonight, there would, there would have been a strong possibility of, of, of playing in the Europa League again. And I just mm. thought, I just and again, it's just a daft thought, and people will maybe be frustrated with me even saying this. I just thought, could you imagine Ronaldo thinking about playing in the Europa League? You know, as I say, no player is bigger than a football club. I'm, I'm not saying that he is. I'm just saying that, could you imagine the, the rage and the, and the personal embarrassment he would take from that and how that would affect Solskjaer, the dressing room, etc.? Because I, ju- I just couldn't. Im- I just couldn't imagine seeing it, and I think that's something that that I- <laughs> he would be very frustrated with. Now, as you say, with the leaks, etc. I don't think he'd be shy in letting people know about. In terms of United managing Ronaldo, as you've said, if you're winning games, if you're going in the right direction, it's a dream signing commercially. It's a dream signing in terms of the dressing room. It's a dream signing in terms of things going on the pitch. If if it does go backwards, then it, it-, it is going to be interesting because. Especially because of the age he's at. Ronaldo at 36, not that he ever has written off a season in his career, let's be honest, but he, he, he can't say, next season I'll be able to wait mm-hmm. and we'll, we'll, we'll bring in another couple and we'll go again. He's at that stage of his career that he's 36. He's maybe got two more years at the top, even for a, a phenomenon like him. Three, an absolute push. He's not got time to write off a full season. If United aren't heading in the right direction, as you say, I wouldn't be surprised if he was looking elsewhere, just just with the nature of his age and the nature of the commercialisation that he brings to any football club in world football. In terms of Ollie, tonight's the, the first time, I'll be honest with you, Phil, at halftime, I felt genuinely worried for him. I, I, I It's me too. I, I, I really was thinking, if that continued in the second half and Villarreal added a second goal, I thought, as, as great as a United legend he is, would the crowd start to turn? And I don't mean in a really aggressive manner, but just in a real 
a really frustrated manner because watching that first half, you just thought, as you, as you said, what was the game plan? Why are they quicker to the ball than us? Why are they why are they cutting us open and creating clear cut chances? Uh, why are Varane, why is a, a centre half that Varane looking as if he's constantly having to bail us out last minute? The goalkeeper to here bailing us out last minute as well. It, it was very confusing, and the thing that was more frustrating, and you did tweet this, uh, the fact that Villarreal have drawn an awful lot of games this season. It's mm-hmm. not as if they're a team that's coming off the back of that Europa League success against us with the penalties and they've gone and. They're sitting second in La Liga and they're really looking as if they're going to go to the next level. They've had a shaky start to the season and at home, you just want to see more from United. And when it was as flat as it was in the first half, it just made me, it did make me worry. And a friend of the show, Nicole Deans, put it very well on Twitter. She was talking about the thing for Ollie now is if you use the chef analogy, he's been given the very best, most of the very best ingredients around. If he can't make the dish with those, he's going to be judged very, very quickly. It was different when he had options of Dan James and a few others in forward positions and he didn't have a Ronaldo to call on. You could say, well, he's progressing United and he needs a couple of players. He's not got the finished article to take him to that level. Now that he's got these finished articles, he will be judged incredibly quickly. And that's the nature of the beast, whether he's an ex-player or not. We've talked about the toxicity of the Oli in, Oli out. Tonight wasn't about that toxic snap judgment. Tonight was just, for me, you were looking at it thinking, is he going to really have the solution to this sort of game if it crops up time and time again? In recent times, when it's, it's cropped up, you, you maybe were going through a bad patch, and as I say, there were certain players you thought, he needs to go, he needs to go. Now, with that squad, a bad performance like that does make you question the coach, given the talent that's clearly at his disposal. Now, look, you're a Manchester manager. I've said before, your legacy as a player is not in question here. His legacy as a manager is on the question. And I'm glad you brought up Nicole Deans. By the way, I had Nicole on the show a couple of weeks ago. Um, easily one of the most talented writers on Manchester that I've ever seen. You need to check out her work. Um, she is fantastic. And she makes a really, really great point. Because would you say that the ingredients that Solskjaer's been given this summer have baked a better pie? I, I mean, have United really been improved um, we all said collectively that um, Varane, Sancho and Ronaldo was a very good summer, right? which it is. But is United better collectively? I, I'd say they're better individually. Ronaldo has bailed them out. But are, are, they, are they a better team than what they were last season with those players? Have they dramatically improved? Uh, Varane get the ball one point in the second half, Calm. Um, the first couple of minutes. And it illustrated United's problem to me perfectly and why they have a problem breaking down low blocks. He gets the ball, and I've seen this so many times with United, by the way, where he doesn't have an outlet ball. He's lifting his head, he's looking left, looking right, looking left, looking right, and then eventually hits it five feet to his left to Alex Tellers. And you're going, this is, a, why, this is why you can't play out from the back. This is why you have no cohesion. This is why you're relying on individual quality. You're too easy to mark. There's no movement. There's no cohesive movement that's designed to break teams down. I hate to say this, but look at the movement of City. Right? Boom, 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 boom. Hard to mark. They pull you all over the place. Well, you know, they're rigid. You know, and and I, and I see that we, we, we cry all the time about lack of intensity. There, this is not a fit 
Manchester United team, certainly not the fittest team in the league that we've seen before. And that's the most charitable thing I can say because I would hope it's not down to desire. I would hope it's down to fitness. But when we're sitting here in October, end of September, beginning of October, and we're talking about fitness and fatigue, that's a big concern to me. So for me, if I'm United, look, the, the, uh, all, it's all ended well, right? But United must look at that performance from a whole different perspective and forget about the result, look at the performance, right? Because there's so much more to be taken from the performance than the result. I think it was Xavi once said the result is an imposter on football. I'm a United fan. I'm delighted to see them win. Nothing, no greater save for me than seeing a United last minute winner from Ronaldo. But that first 70 minutes cannot be ignored because if it is, a better team's going to bat the United for that. They absolutely will. And, and, and I mentioned those fixtures earlier, Phil. The next seven or eight games are an incredibly tough set of fixtures. Mm-hmm. And, and, and if United are looking slightly jaded, these are not the sets of fixtures you want. You're going to some tough away venues. You're playing teams that if you lose to them, you're not just, it sounds it sounds cliche, but you're not just losing three points if you lose two or three nil to Liverpool or Man City. You're losing a lot more than that. You're losing players are crucially probably losing belief in the manager. Fans are losing belief in certain players and the manager, and it just creates a really uncomfortable atmosphere. And United cannot afford to head after these group of fixtures into the festive period with that sort of hangover feeling um, in the midst of what's going on because again after this period going into November December is always another crazy hectic period and you might not be playing all the top sides in the league at the one time over the festive period but you've got so many fixtures in such a short space of time we've lost to young boys so you're thinking those late Champions League group stage games are going to have real um, real results riding on them that United aren't going to have an easy ride for a long long time now, nor should they because at the end of the day no team that goes on to win major trophies has an easy ride and it's just given anything. But you just want to be convinced that you're going to approach these games in a, in a confident manner. You're going to see performances. We've talked about results being important, but performances are crucial as well because if you are limping across 1-0, 2-1, yes, it's great to have the three points on the board, but eventually you will become unstuck unless unless you're a, a natural defensive team, which United clearly aren't when you look at the, the attacking which is at the disposal. For me, they're top-heavy in attack and still uh, slightly weak in certain areas of the defence. We've talked about right-back, we've talked about holding midfield. So it's important that there is a level of cohesiveness that comes into this squad over the next seven or eight weeks to get through this tough period of games and get through the festive period in a confident manner because... My main concern, having watched that 70 minutes tonight, Phil, is, and I'm not calling for anybody to get sacked, I'm not calling for any managers to be under immense pressure, but it's a fact Ollie will be under incredible pressure if he was to lose three or four of these games. And will he survive it? Could he survive it? I don't know the answer to that question. We'd have to wait and see. But the game's coming up, as I say. You're not just losing three points, you're losing confidence. And as soon as that confidence is pulled from within pulled from under you from whether it's players or the atmosphere around the ground it's it's incredibly hard to get back as we've seen with previous managers so I just hope that positivity and momentum can be built because it could be a brutal seven weeks if the performances continue in light of those first 70 minutes we're almost done with the last couple of minutes but you bring up a really good point there because see the top teams you see as long as you don't lose those games you can win the league you just, even draw them as long as you draw them 
right? I mean, that sounds like a make a long comment there, but what I meant is if you draw against the top teams, you that that's that's fine. You just don't lose those games. And United have got a good record against the top teams. I remember last season, they beat City. And they asked Solskjaer after the game, are you title challengers? And he says, I'll tell you after Sheffield United, and they went out and lost. Unbelievably. Right? That's what costs United. The Sheffield United result. Right? Those in ridiculous results at home. Losing games you shouldn't be losing. Winning games you should not. It's never, it's very rarely against the top teams. You don't get a decent record against the top teams. And that's a professionalism issue. That, you know, one of the hardest things in life in any position is to be consistent. Because to be consistently good, you have to do a lot of different things, right? Mental preparation, physical preparation, how you live your life off the pitch, all of that. To To be consistent, there's so many more variables. Anybody can have your FA Cup moment where you get drawn against the top team and you play brilliant. But can you play brilliant every week? That requires consistency. It's very, very difficult to do. Uh, uh, and it requires you to be a consummate professional. That is one thing I think Ronaldo will bring to United in the sense that, as an example, and uh, then he is a perfect example of what it takes to be a professional footballer at the very highest level. That is always a good thing. And he's a bona fide winner, so he'll demand standards. But that is the one thing, Callum. It's easy to be consistent and win games when there's nothing on the line. Can you win a game? When it because you see what I watched that Europa League final, I almost felt you know, they were afraid to win that game. I almost felt like they didn't believe in themselves, and that is a big, big hurdle that Solskjaer needs to get over. Can you be a good team? You can be a good team, but can you be a great team? A great team that wins, that believes in itself, that trusts itself. I'm not so sure yet. That's a big, big question that has to be answered. What I will say is, Ferran, Sancho, and uh, uh, Ferran, Ronaldo are pure winners, and they will be a positive. Um, and I think, obviously, Jaden Sancho will be over time. So many things to talk about. Maybe we could go on forever and ever and ever. Uh, what I will say to finish up, I think United yeah, should have just given Sol- got Solskjaer a defensive midfielder. Removed all excuses because your team constantly evolves and so do your needs. Next summer, United are going to need a right-back and a striker. Do they really want to have to buy a, a defensive midfielder as well? Surely a football club like United could have found 35, 40 million somewhere down a back. It's not a massive amount of money for someone like United uh, and got someone like Sol Niguez or someone else that they were interested in. They, they, they like Sol Niguez, but um, surely that player should have been signed. What's the point of sending all these other players to leave a gaping weakness and you can't have a weakness down the span of your team? That is so costly. Uh, Calm, I know we got to go, mate. Anything to add before you go? Just, just the, the thing I would add is that it's it's great to win the game tonight. Bear those 70 minutes in mind. Continue to get behind the team. Don't get involved mm. in the toxicity online. Support your team at all costs. If things are poor, then a decision will be made in, in the future. We've seen that in the previous managers, but always back the team and, as always, take care of yourselves and look forward to, to being back next week. Yep. Take care of the napper, everyone. Take care of your mental health, your physical health. Thanks for listening and thanks for all of you for your support to downloads, likes, retweets, follows, everything. So much appreciated. Don't forget, give my friend a follow here at Callum CFB, right? Yes, that's it. All right, folks, all the best. Cheers, Callum. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Cheers, mate. Bye.